Amen. <laughs> Hope you'll pray for me this morning. We stand before you. Try to look into some things from God's Word. Uh, going to go go back again and look at some things that we talked about last Sunday. Uh, uh, look, uh, I mentioned, I guess, last Sunday, and I've mentioned all year, we're talking about what I consider some of the, the basic doctrines of God's Word. I don't know, do I need to put on this thing this morning or not? Is he recording it? Okay, well, I'll try to slip this on while we're talking. Uh, and as we have this year, what one of the things that we've done is we've talked about, uh, started out the year, as we mentioned, I think, last Sunday, talking about the sovereignty of God, how, uh, for one thing, God... Uh, works his will in the armies of heaven among the inhabitants of earth. God had a God had a purpose. Uh, we've been we've been talking about uh, on Wednesday nights. For those of you that mit- have missed it, or those of you who haven't tuned in on uh, uh, Google Plus or whatever it is that we're broadcasting on on Wednesday nights, then uh, just just mention to you that uh, you know we've been going through the Book of Genesis over the last number of weeks and. Uh, I'll tell you, it's just, it's exciting to look back and think about some things that are going on. But God had a purpose for that creation. And, uh, and uh, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, God is all self-sufficient. He's eternal. Uh, so what, what was that purpose? I believe absolutely that the per, part of the purpose for the creation of the heavens and earth and all that, you, you know, you think... Sometimes we might think we're in, we are insignificant. You know, the Bible talks about us being like grasshoppers and we're like the, you know, like the flower that fades and goes away. You know, us individually are, 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 are nothing and, and less than nothing. But God loved us so much that he brought us into existence. Uh, knowing that we were going to sin, that we were going to fall, that we were going to fail. God loved us and, and I think loved His Son so much uh, to desire to have a bride for His Son and, and did all of this for Him and for us. Boy, I'm telling you, it's just almost beyond beyond my, my little mind to, to think about all of that. So uh, God had a purpose. Uh, God is sovereign over all of his purpose. And by that, the word sovereign simply means God doesn't answer to anyone. Uh, if he did, he wouldn't be God. Uh, and so uh, because he uh, is supreme above all things, uh, uh, there's nothing that he doesn't rule over, uh, then that makes him our God. And so as we've looked at that, uh, uh, early in the year, talked about election, uh, a, a, a doctrinal teaching these days that you probably don't hear mentioned that much, uh, probably in very many churches. And I think a lot of people are scared of it, uh, just to be honest with you. Uh, they're afraid to touch it. They know it's in the Bible. They can't read the Bible without seeing that it's there. Uh, so many times they have to try to explain it somehow or another that and, uh, there's all kinds of various ways of trying to explain what election is actu- actually teaching. Uh, but that word election simply means it's a, a choice or selection. Uh, that God made choice or selection of a people, as the Bible says, before the foundation of the world. And that he chose them in Christ. Beautiful. 
when you get to when you see the picture of where we were, <laughs> uh, just like uh, just like the Eve was in was in Adam at, cre- at, at creation, uh, we were in Christ before the foundation of the world. And I'll tell you, uh, we were in Christ when He died and when He was resurrected. And because of his, He lives, we're going to be with Him in glory one day. So again, God made a choice. Uh, he chose He chose us. And uh, I don't want to uh, unlike what some people would say. Well. You just, you know, you just believe there's just going to be a few saved. All this, no, 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 no. Uh, thousand times, million times more than probably what even most religions believe. I believe are in, are, are make up the bride of Christ because it goes beyond so many times what people teach uh, is required. Uh, I'll tell you what was required. The blood of Jesus Christ was required (laughs) uh, for the sacrifice for his bride. And he fulfilled it completely upon the cross and made that sacrifice for his bride. So anyway, uh, election. Uh, Then last Sunday, uh, you know, I guess I turned him again to talk and we'll try to cover back across some ground real quick. Because as I thought about it, you know, sometimes I look back at something that I've preached and I think, boy, did I foul that up, you know, or, you know, did I not make that clear? Uh, So, you know, the good thing about another Sunday is I get another chance to try to uh, try to uh, uh, at least try to lay it out for you. Because I want you to see and understand, because I think if we don't understand where we were or, or by our nature, we don't appreciate what Christ did upon the cross. We don't fully appreciate the depth of his love for you and me unless we realize uh, that you and I were totally helpless. We were totally without ability. We were totally incapable of making ourselves lovable. Uh, we were totally incapable of, of being attractive to him, yet he loved us anyway. And, and I'm telling you when, you, when you really fathom that, that is the definition of grace. That's the definition of true love that's agape love. It's the true definition of everything that you and I can think about, about what a, a true love would be to love someone that has no ability to love you back and to love that person so much or that one so much that you would give your life for them. Now, that's love. <laughs> uh, that's not love that's being reciprocated. That's not love that's uh, first given so that then uh, when the Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us, I'm telling you those words are true. Uh, and he loved us with a love that's beyond comparison and beyond, I think, even a little bit beyond our comprehension uh, without some spiritual abilities to understand those things. So... Last Sunday, what we tried to talk about is a little bit about total depravity. Uh, And again, this is one of those words that you will not find. It's kind of like Trinity. You're not going to go scrambling through the Scriptures and say, Oh, Brother Charles was talking about, I better get my concordance out and see where total depravity is mentioned. Well, you're not going to find it, okay? Uh, uh, But the concept of us being totally depraved, and and by total depravity, again, that means us having the lack of ability totally... Well, I'm gonna use. I'll, I'll turn and use a, a Bible terminology because that's you know one way to help clear some of this up, and then also then go back and show what it meant to be to be in this condition. In Ephesians chapter two, uh, the Apostle Paul, after writing uh, what uh, how much God loved us, how He loved us before the foundation of the world, how He adopted us into His family. <clears throat> Again, there's a there's a doctrine that uh, that is taught 
if y'all will give me about two minutes or less, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you before we get over into the other part of this. Uh, the Bible talks about he loved us, and, and I'll just read a scripture here to you if I can find it real quickly. Isn't that terrible for me to mention something like that? Uh, he adopted us into his family. According to good... Okay. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, he says, uh, He has chosen us in him, verse 4, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, he, said, he had predestinated us to the adoption of children. Yes. Uh, we were adopted into his family. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, I'm going to go back and give you the, uh, the 92nd version now because I've, I've at least wasted 30 seconds on uh, reading, reading all the other. Uh, the 92nd version is this. In the Bible, the, you remember the scripture tells us that Christ came to fulfill the law to a jot and to a tittle. And, and a lot of times I think we get in our minds, if we're not careful, uh, we'll get in our minds that, okay, uh, the Ten Commandments, God came to keep the law. Well, the law was much more than just the Ten Commandments. It was all the worship service that they had and all the laws that God had given them in Leviticus and so forth. And one of those laws was the law of redemption. Uh, that they were to redeem, they, uh, the law of redemption said that if a person got into debt, one of their kinsmen could come and get them out of that debt. Uh, and, it, and it eventually, according to the law, it fell to the nearest kinsman to them that had the ability to pay. Okay? That is the law of redemption. That is shown and carried out for us. You want to read the book of Ruth sometime. Read Ruth and think about redemption and how uh, Boaz came and redeemed them because the nearest kinsman mentioned there in the book of Ruth, he had... Uh, he, the nearest kinsman didn't have the ability or didn't want to, uh, you know, to pay the debt. So Boaz stepped into the slot being the next nearest kinsman that had the ability to redeem them and then also the willingness to do that, okay? So the laws of redemption says that it has to be a near kinsman. Well, you and I, uh, there, let's, let's think about this for just a moment. God has only one begotten son. The rest of us, other than the fact you'd say, okay, well, we're the sons of Adam, which was the son of God. Uh, you, can, you can begin to stretch it a little bit along those lines. But I think that to make it clear to, to all, God predestinated us to be adopted into his family. And the price for adoption was also the same price as redemption, uh, which was the blood of Jesus Christ. So for us, in order for us to be redeemed... Uh, he had to pay a price. Uh, now, again, you can't redeem something that didn't first belong to you. Uh, you cannot go down. You cannot go down to the uh, local uh, pawn shop. <clears throat> you can go down there and buy something, uh, but you can't go redeem something unless you first went down there and then have has lost it to that pawn shop. They gave you money. You know, the, the example is not an exact example, but I'm just saying you can't go down and redeem something at the pawn shop that didn't first belong to you, okay? And uh, so Christ redeemed us, which means that he possessed us and then before the foundation of the world, and then there was a sense in which we were lost. He came back and redeemed us to him through his blood and in that adopted us into his family now he became the near kinsman that had the price to pay 
for you and me, for redeeming us. So uh, adoption is very important. All right, so let, we turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. He says, and you hath he quickened. May, that word quickened simply means made alive. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Uh, and the natural man, we talked about this last weekend. Uh, if you go over to John chapter 3, where John, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he informs Nicodemus when Nicodemus comes to him and tells him, uh, Master, we know that thou art a man come from God, for no man can do us the things that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus informs him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in fact, he goes on then and says, except a man be born of water uh, and also uh, uh, of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he's kind of given us this whole picture of the new birth. And then he says, uh, Nicodemus wants to know, well, how can a man be born again? How can a man enter into his mother's womb the second time? And uh, Jesus is like, are you a, are you a, a ruler of the, of the Jews and you don't understand these things that I'm telling you? And he didn't. And he says, he says, being born again is like the wind blowing. He says, the wind blows where it listeth. No man knoweth the sound of where it cometh or whither it goeth except God that sends it. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. So Jesus has just given Nicodemus the perfect picture of the new birth by talking about the Spirit moves like the wind. You can't see where it comes from or where it goes to. And But when it acts, you see the action of where it's been, okay? You can see where it's blown. I uh, saw some pictures last night where the wind had blown some trees down and so forth. And you can see sometimes when the Spirit of God comes and blows people down. It comes and takes them and moves them and changes them so that they are different than they've ever been. I've heard the example of the rustling grass and the rustling leaves. And you, yes, you can see that as an evidence of the Spirit. But I'll tell you, sometimes the Spirit comes along and actually knocks people down and changes their directions just like it did the Apostle Paul. People that knew, people that knew Saul of Tarshish prior to the Damascus Road experience and after the Damascus Road experience knew that man had had something move on him and change him in a way that had never done so before. And so he, he gives this example, and he, but he says, and you hath he quickened. That word quickened is just another Bible word for the new birth. And you hath he quickened who were what? Dead in trespasses and in sins. So when we looked at this, and last week we spent some time looking at the fact that uh, in Ephesians chapter, uh, not Ephesians, Romans chapter 5, it tells us over there that uh, uh, as in Adam all die, so in Christ are all made alive. And so he says, therefore it is... Uh, in, in, in Romans 3, we, we looked at a couple of things. One, in Romans 3, we looked at the portion of Scripture where it says, There is none righteous, no, not one. Talking about Jews, Gentiles, doesn't matter. God concluded them all under sin that it might be by grace and by faith that we are blessed here in this old world. Now, I am not teaching salvation by faith in doing that. He just combined those two words there to say that God's blessing comes upon us by faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, what is the? Uh, 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 let's go over and give this example. In Hebrews chapter 11 where it's talking about faith, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Okay? Now you think about this. I want y'all to stay with me on this for a minute. 
if I if I come forward and I confess, and I want us to think about how this is taught in many of the places that uh, that are great people <laughs> that are God-loving people. I'm just talking about, I want you to understand the Bible, okay? And understand what it's teaching. And so he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If I told you, I now believe, uh, and we know that First John 5 and 1, no man, anyone who says that Jesus is the Christ or whosoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God. So New birth comes before belief, but uh, as taught in scriptures. But if I tell you I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, do you think that's pleasing to God for me to say that? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If I come forward and tell you I'm going to make a public profession that I love Jesus Christ and I want I want to be His child, okay? I, that's what... Uh, I want to be his follower. I want to be his disciple. Is that pleasing to God? Amen. Right? And that doesn't he love? He's like the he's like the uh, father in the story of the prodigal son. Doesn't he love to see his children come home and say, "I want to be home with the father. I want to be in the father's house." Uh, that is pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. If I come forward to be baptized, uh, following after the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was baptized, as he began his ministry by John the, John the Baptist, uh, is it pleasing to God for me to, to come forward to be baptized? Yes. <laughs> Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Uh, you follow where I'm going? Faith comes before belief. Faith comes before confession. Faith comes before baptism. All of these things that you might do to try to please God and that people lay out to us. Uh, if, I, if I came to you this morning and said, I'm going to come and pray the prayer. I'm going to come forward. I'm going to pray the prayer. And I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Is it pleasing to God for me to ask for, the, for Jesus Christ to come into my heart and say, yes, it's pleasing to him. I don't think it works like that, but okay. But but it's ple- it's pleasing to him for us to do that. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith comes first. Faith, Galatians five twenty two and twenty three tells us, faith is a fruit of the spirit. The spirit moves where it listeth. It's like the wind. So is everyone that's born of the spirit of God. The spirit moves, and then you're born. Before that, your condition is. Well, we, we, we read in John, in Romans chapter 3 last week, uh, as it talks about there's none, none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. And then it goes and gives a whole list of how people that are without God, how they act. And I mean, it's vile. <laughs> and it's much of what we see acting in the world sometimes around us today. But Ephesians chapter 2 tells us then uh, what our condition is so that we understand it in Bible terms. The Bible term for total depravity, inability to please God, is dead in trespasses and sins. That's, you know, to get back to the Bible terminology, the Bible terminology is, is you are dead in trespasses and in sins. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past you walked how? 
according to the course of this world, <laughs> according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ Jesus. By grace ye are saved. <laughs> what was our condition? We were dead in trespasses and sins, but even when we were without ability, and that's where we'll go to and look at a verse of Scripture that tells us just how, uh, you know, I'm like, I can go back to Brother Blanchard, you know, the, 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 the story he said, what, talking about one time, said these folks came by to visit him at his house, you know, and, and, uh, and he was talking, said they started trying to draw him a little picture, you know, to show, you know, what he needed to do, you know. And so he, he showed a man that was laying down in, the, you know, uh, was, uh, uh, was uh, you know, a sinner and need, needing God. And so the, the, the evangelist, you know, just kind of lowered a rope down to him to, to latch hold on so that he could go to heaven. And uh, so, so Brother Blanche said, well, let me, let me amend your, your drawing there for a minute. So then he drew, drew a little pit and drew a stick man laying down in the grave like this. And he lowered the rope down in there and the stick man just laid there. And the reason he laid there was because he was dead. <laughs> he had no ability to reach up and grab a hold of the rope. He said, your, your, your story sounds good, but it's flawed and it's thinking. And uh, he says, and we were dead in sins and he quickened us together with Christ. Let's turn over back to Romans chapter 5 again. And we'll look at a portion of scripture there. Uh, and, and I want us to see when, when it says that we were without ability... We were totally without ability. And then we're going to turn over to a place in Romans, I mean in John chapter 8, uh, and look at a lesson there that Jesus, that Jesus laid out for us. Here in Romans chapter 5, it says, <clears throat> for, verse 6, uh, For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We were without strength. We were dead. Uh, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more. Boy, I, 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 I love that. I, I think I preached on that this weekend over at Liberty a little bit. But uh, that, that phrase, much more. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. <laughs> it's not through your confession. It's not through your faith. It's not through your baptism. It's through Jesus Christ and His blood that you're going to stand justified before the Father one day. Okay? And so before, uh, before we were born again of the Spirit of God, we were totally without ability. One other verse that I gave you all last Sunday, I think, and I'll turn over there and just read it again. Again, just to help you put all this in context, I want us to see where we were. He says, he talks in First First Corinthians chapter two about uh, how that uh, the, we know the by the spirit of man being in us, we know the things of a man. Uh, 
He says, uh, and we'll begin then with this. Uh, now we have received not the verse twelve of First Corinthians chapter two. Now we have not we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. How do you know spiritual things? It's because you've been spiritually born again. Uh, the, uh, how do I know? How do I know natural things? Well, you look at the the scriptures over and over and over again. It teaches us all this kind of stuff. You know, uh, if we think about natural childbirth, we got some little babies running around here, you know, these days and uh, sweet and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But you know what? Until they were born into this old world, then they began to cry out. And they didn't know exactly who they were, what they were. They just knew they needed help, right? They didn't know where the help was coming from. But that's what mom and dad was there for, was to feed them, to clothe them, take care of them, nurture them. And eventually, after months and months and months, those little children, after mom and daddy coaches them enough, they learn to say, Mama and Dada. Uh, and they might even say, Grandma. Uh, or, or pop. <laughs> Sometimes they mess that up too. But anyway, uh, you know. So, but but you have they have to be taught who it is that's taking care of them, and eventually you teach them. You know, maybe not all the details, but you teach them that they're your child, that they were born of you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a perfect picture of the spiritual birth that we have. God implants something within us. We began to cry out, Abba, Father, as Romans 8 says. We know that suddenly that we're sinners and we stand in need of a Savior and we know we need to do something and we don't necessarily know who it is. And then along comes somebody that has the gospel message and tells us who it is that saved us, who it is that redeemed us, who it is that's our Father. And then we cry out, Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior and my King. I'll tell you, it's a perfect picture of these little babies and how we were and who we were. So he tells us here in First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. Now the things, uh, now we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I'll, I'll read that again. <laughs> but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Why? Because he's dead. He's dead in trespasses and sins. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. It's not possible for the natural man to understand spiritual things. If you understand spiritual things this morning and you feel sometimes you say, you know what, I'm blessed of God. God has been good to me. God, you know, yes, I know he loved me, he saved me, redeemed me. But, you know, just in day-to-day things, many times we see the blessings of God in our lives. You know how you know that? Because you have spiritual life within you. That's how you know that. He says, neither can he know them. The natural man cannot know these things because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself judgeth no, no, no man for who can know the, th- the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him and so forth. So uh, we could go into that. Now let's turn back over to John chapter 8. Because, and I, 
you know how I, you know how I have been lately about uh, trying to put things in context. So, uh, so we'll uh, we'll try to dive into this. But it was really fun to go back and uh, looking looking at some things in John eight. And I went back to John chapter five and John chapter six, and uh, and looked at this kind of journey that Jesus was on because uh, we we get a we get a beautiful picture there of and uh, having been over there to that land in recent recent weeks. Uh, it was beautiful to go back and read about how they set sail from Tiberias over to Capernaum uh, and how Jesus came, came to them on the water and how he fed the multitudes that were taking place there and so forth. And it says uh, in, verse, in chapter 7, it talks about after these things Jesus walked in Galilee. Uh, Galilee is basically the land around the Sea of Galilee and, <coughs> and the northern part of that land there which if you look at a map of Israel, is quite a ways from Jerusalem. It said he didn't walk in the, in the area of Jerusalem. He, he did go back up there and would go back up there for the feast. But that wasn't where his primary teaching ground was. His teaching ground was up in Galilee. <coughs> and as he uh, begins to teach these things to, to people, uh, <coughs> he then in, in chapter 7, you'll see, he journeyed back up to, to Jerusalem to one of the feasts. Uh, talking about who he was and that he was just with them for a little while. And in verse 50, it mentions that Nicodemus, because there were those that were wanting to to put him to death uh, here in Jerusalem because of the things he was teaching, the things he was saying. And old brother Nicodemus, the same fellow we found over in John chapter 3, it says in verse 50, Nicodemus saith unto them, uh, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? And they answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? <laughs> are you one of these Galileans that are that are following after this man Jesus? Uh, uh, search and look out of Galilee. Uh, in other words, search the scriptures and look. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet, and every man went unto his own house. So they had they kind of come to their conclusion. <laughs> He's from Galilee. They said, uh, if you if you read back through this this whole story, they they even mentioned in there said, doesn't it say that the 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 redeemer, the savior, is going to come out of Bethlehem? Well, he did come out of Bethlehem, but he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, which in by Nazareth, by the way, is up in Galilee, in the area of Galilee. And so he was raised in Nazareth. And so when he came and began to teach to the people of Galilee, because the the Jews in Jerusalem were, were of a majority, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the day, they were rejecting him anyway. So he went back to Galilee, <laughs> began to teach to his home people, to, his, to the people of that area. And Nicodemus says, uh, uh, you know, hey, don't, the law says we ought to hear this man before we just suddenly judge him. And they say, well, nothing good can come out of Galilee. Uh, where does it say a prophet's going to come out of Galilee? They all just kind of busted up and went back to their house, okay? <coughs> now... So Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Uh, beautiful picture. Can't wait to show you the pictures, okay? Uh, and so Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives, and it stands across the Kidron Valley looking over at the old city of Jerusalem. He goes up to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master... This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? Oh boy, can't can't you see? I mean, they're they're really trying to, you know, they've already kind of said, well, the law says this. 
what are you going to say? You know, uh, and so they forgot, they forgot a couple things, you know. Uh, one, uh, if she was caught in the very act of adultery, uh, there had to be another party there, right? They brought the woman. <laughs> they didn't bring the other party. Uh, they, uh, what does the law say? The law says both of them are guilty. Uh, so they just brought one. So they me- they messed up there to begin with. But it says here that uh, when they when they did this, uh, they said unto him, <coughs> they said tempting him that they might have uh, um, might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote in the ground as though he heard them not. <coughs> I don't know what he wrote. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. Uh, I have speculated before. When I speculate from the scripture, I don't want it to run out and say, well, Brother Charles said this is what Jesus wrote. No, Brother Charles did not say that. I don't know. He could have been writing anything. Uh, He could have been writing down what the law said. He could have been writing down what the actual law said. That's one thing he could have been writing. I don't know. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the wicked shall be written in the earth. Maybe he was writing their names down in the earth. I don't know. Whatever it was, it was something that got their attention. Uh, because as he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not, and when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. <coughs> okay, all you self-righteous non-sinners. Uh, you're thinking this is so bad. So whoever doesn't have sin, you pick up the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and kind of ignored them. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus' commandment to you and me. Uh, my friends, and I know we're sinners. I know we're going to sin today. I know we're going to sin before the day's out. If not, if we're not doing something overtly physical to to sin, we'll sin in our thoughts and our thinking and our mind and in and, and those things. Uh, uh, but Jesus, uh, uh, first of all, he says, "Let those of you without sin cast the first stone." Uh, uh, first cast the stone. Well, they all knew they couldn't, so they left. So then Jesus looks around and says, "Woman, where are thine accusers?" He did not say she wasn't guilty. She may she may have well been guilty of what she was accused of. Uh, he says, uh, uh, "No, there are none, Lord. Where are those that condemn you? Well, they're gone, Lord. There's none." He says, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." I think that's the daily teaching for you and me from Jesus. Every day we get up and say, "You know what? I know I've sinned another day, but you know what my Lord commands me to do? Go and sin no more. Get up today, leave what you've been doing, quit what you've been doing, stop what you've been doing. What if if you were caught in the very act of it? Stop it now. Stop try, sinning against the Lord and and go and sin no more." Get, get a cold on yourself, okay? And uh, so he says, Then Jesus again said, <clears throat> Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, 
Ooh, boy, Charles. Uh, uh, then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record's not true. Okay. You're, you're, you're self-witnessing what you're saying. You're saying, uh, uh, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, uh, but shall have the light of life. And they said, you're bearing record of yourself that you're the light of the world, that you're the light of life. Uh, your record's not true. Uh, so Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself. He didn't say that he didn't bear record of himself, right? <clears throat> Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go. And ye cannot tell whence I come or whither I go. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know where I'm going to. Uh, now, I think cryptically, he's talking about he came from heaven, and that's where he's going back to. He says, you don't know where I came from, and you don't know where I'm going to. Uh, and he says, ye judge after the flesh. You just look at what you see. And I'll tell you many times, we judge after the flesh. Instead of looking uh, looking on, on the very heart of things. Now, I know we can't look on the heart like Jesus could, but I'm telling you, sometimes we just have to look beyond physical appearance. Uh, Brother Todd and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, you know what? Sometimes, uh, well, let's just go. Let's just go there. Brother Todd, will let me do this for a minute. I, you know, sometimes we see the people they got the tattoos here and there, and where we say, "Oh my goodness, what kind of person is that?" <clears throat> Better look a little further. Better look a little further. Uh, you know, is that something that should have been done? If people had opportunities to do it over again, would they do it? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, don't go judging on those, those kind of appearances sometimes that we see. Jesus said, said this, Ye judge after flesh, I judge no man. Yet, if I judge, my judgment's true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. So, again, he twists them, he turns them, he jerks them. <laughs> I kind of like the way he messes with them. Uh, he, he takes them and he says, uh, I don't judge any man, but if I did judge, my judgment would be true. Because I and the Father that sent me are, are doing this. And he says, it's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Uh, I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they, uh, then said they unto him, where's thy father? Uh, and Jesus answered and says, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. So uh, he said, there, there is a judgment here that's going on. And my father is bearing witness of who I am. I don't do anything except what I see the father do. I was hoping I'd have time to get to that, but uh, we'll, we'll keep going. He says, uh, uh, these words spake Jesus in the treasury. So I get the picture. He's in the te- he, he was on the Mount of Olives. He got up early in the morning and went to the temple. They brought him the woman. Uh, then he continues teaching them and talking to them about who he is. He's now in the treasury that's there at the temple. And as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. It wasn't his time. They, they might have talked about, uh, you know, hey, we need to get him and gather him together. We need, the priests need to send somebody and get him. And uh, there was even, as we read through uh, 5, 6, and 7, there was some that were questioning about the time of Nicodemus and said, well, if he's so, uh, so, uh, so bad, why haven't they sent the, uh, the guards to go gather him up? Well, it wasn't his time. Uh, and Jesus said again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Scripture sometimes is uh, 
I won't say sometimes. I sometimes sometimes I misspeak. Okay, uh, scripture wor- the wording of scripture is important. It's important to study it to understand it. But him when Jesus says, "I go my way, and you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins," whether I go, ye cannot come. Wow, is he serious? Yes. <laughs> He's serious, and they didn't know how serious he was, I'm sure. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Oh, is he going to commit suicide? Because he says, whether I go, you cannot come. Then said, then he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I'm from above. Ye are of this world. I'm not of this world. And I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. He did not say ye shall die of your sins. They will die of their sins, just like you and I will die of our sins. Uh, it's our sin that's going to cause me and you to die one of these days uh, uh, because as one man uh, transgressed the law and death passed upon all men, uh, so all, man, all men have sinned, right? Uh, but he says, uh, but you and I will die of our sins, but by the grace of God and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we will not die in our sins. We will die of our sins, but not in our sins, because our sin debt was laid on the body of Jesus Christ on the cross, and he took our sins away from us. But he's talking to a group of people here that will die in their sins. He says, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he that shall shall die, not he, ye shall die in your sins. And then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said to them, even the same that I said to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. They didn't get it. And he's going to explain to us why they didn't get it. That's where I'm trying to head to with this 8th chapter of the book of John. Remember how I said that to, be, that, uh, to see the kingdom of God, ye must be born again. The natural man cannot see these things. They're spiritually discerned. He's giving you an example right here in the 8th chapter of the book of John of people that were looking at Jesus Christ, the Savior. They were hearing his words with their ears. But they didn't know what he was talking about. And he tells them that they're going to die in their sins. And that he's told them who he was. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Verse 27. And Jesus said unto them, When you've lifted up the Son of Man, and then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he sent me... And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Boy, I wish me and you could say that. Uh, you talk about the perfect son. Uh, there's the perfect son. Everything he did, he did that pleased the Father. Okay? But he says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. So we can't say that all of them there... Uh, you know, a lot of times you go say, well, he said they were going to die in their sins. He was talking to a group of people. That doesn't mean everyone there uh, was in that group. But there, once he spake these words, it says, uh, many believed on him. And then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then shall you be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. 
and the truth shall make you free. <laughs> It'll lift a burden off of you, brethren. Uh, continues. What does that, that word continue mean? Stay. Stay in my word. And you know what? That's something me and you need to do to be his disciples. Stay in the word. Got to stay in the word. Then answered him, they, they answered him and says, we be Abraham's seed. Y'all, y'all, y'all just bear with me. Uh, they, they, they answered him and says, We be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? You know, I don't believe the ones that made that comment were the ones that had just believed on him and that he told, if you continue my word, you'll be my disciple. He was speaking to a group of, of group of people there within the people, and but some of the rest of them says, we're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any, any, um, any man. And Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Now, I'll tell you, if you follow this whole lesson, you say, uh, Brother Charles, we've talk, I talk about keeping things in context. There were men that were there that brought a woman to Jesus and accused her uh, that they had caught her in the very act of adultery. What do you say needs to be done? Uh, the law says to stone her. Jesus looks at them and says, those of you without sin, first cast the stone, Okay. Then somewhere in there, people regathered, and he began to teach and to talk to them. And they said unto him, Verily I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. He was talking to people that had already uh, in themselves confessed that they were sinners because they didn't cast the first stone. Uh, and he says, The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are are Abraham's seed. I know you're Abraham's seed. But ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Whoa, whoa, we're we're talking... We're talking uh, a whole different group of folks here now. We're not talking to those that believed on him there a minute ago. And, uh, and he told them, if you'll continue in my word, you shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. They're saying, we, now, we haven't been in bondage. How do you say you're going to make us free? He said, yes, you are in bondage because the, the, the person that committed sin is the servant of sin, which means you're in bondage to sin. All right? But he says, the son can make you free from this. <clears throat> and they said... And then he says, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Listen to it. I speak that which I get from my father, you speak that which you get from your father, and you're wanting to kill me. Let's go back to Genesis what was the problem with Cain killing Abel? Uh, the Bible says Cain is of that wicked one. He's a liar. Let's go on. We'll read reading. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Abraham got up and followed God when God said, Get up and go. God, Abraham believed that Isaac would be, that he would have a son, even though he and Sarah were past the time for having children, because God said so. And now God is standing right in front of them, telling them uh, some things, and they don't believe it, and they're not doing his works. He says, but now you seek to kill me, a man that told you the truth, 
which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. When God told Abraham the truth, he didn't, uh, Abraham didn't say, well, I think I'll kill God. No, Abraham followed and believed what God told him and said to him. He says, I'm telling you the truth, and what do you want to do? You want to kill me. Abraham didn't do that. Uh, and he says, ye do the deeds of your father. They said unto him, we be, born, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus then said unto them, if, ye, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, neither came I, my, came I of myself, but he sent me. Now, do you, is, it, is, is it hard? To, you know, some people read the New Testament scriptures. Jesus never said he was the son of God. Jesus never said he was the Messiah. Can you get much plainer than what he's saying? I, God sent me. I came from him. I didn't come of myself. <clears throat> you do not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word. They were hearing him, but it takes more than natural ears to hear the preaching and teaching of God. It takes being born of the Spirit of God. To him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, uh, that's, that's the ear that you stand in need of, that I stand in need of, an ear that comes from God. Uh, the Old Testament Scriptures, I think in Proverbs, says this, uh, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, even both of them, are of the Lord. Now Jesus says, "Ye cannot understand my speech because uh, why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do." Jesus could do that, by the way. Jesus knew who was of, of the of the devil, and you and I don't. You and I don't know the difference between someone who's a who's a regenerate child of God, born who is being rebellious. Like the prodigal son who went off and got to, wasted his living on uh, his father's inheritance on riotous living, you and I can't look at a person and tell the difference, but Jesus could, and so He rightly accused them here in this place. Year of your father the devil, the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not. He's also prophesying the fact that they want to kill him and that they will eventually nail him to the cross, that they are doing the works of their father, uh, their father the devil in doing that. He says, And of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin... And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. All right. So, Brother Charles, and I could go. I could go on. I know it's time to stop, uh, but I'll say I'll, I'll conclude with this. What does it mean to be totally depraved? What does it mean to be dead in trespasses and sins? It means ye cannot hear the word of God. The new birth comes first and you know and the new birth comes by a sovereign work of God like the wind blowing. It's not because you confess. If you confess, that please God. If you believe, that please God. If you're baptized, that please God. If you do do what do what whatever in the world that you can think of, that'll win God's favor. 
It pleases God for you to do that. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So, I, I trust that maybe you put all these pieces together and say, You know what? You know why I love the Lord? You know why you love the Lord? It's because He first loved you. You know why you're aware of the fact He first loved you? Because God has born you again of His Spirit. And now we come here and praise God and say, Abba, Father, 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 we love you. Why? Because you first loved us and we want to, we owe you all that we could give you and it would never be enough. May God bless you is our prayer.